New research suggests that safe opioid supply programs can significantly cut down on emergency department visits and hospitalizations for people at high risk for overdose. A study published Monday in the Canadian Medical Association Journal examined people who used the Safer Opioid Supply Program right here in London for just over three years and found ER visits in hospital admissions declined one year after participants entered the program. Study also found no increased risk of infections or overdoses and a decline in healthcare costs unrelated to primary care or outpatient medications after a year. Dr. Andrea Serreta is a family physician at the London Intercommunity Health Centre, a coalition committee member and founder of the Safer Opioid Supply Program and joins us now. Appreciate the time today. Good morning. Did the result of the study surprise you in any way? No, no, they did not actually. So we, we've we been uh, operating Safer Supply at, at the health centre since 2016. Um, and we've observed since the very beginning that we almost immediately see uh, decreases in the amount that people have to use the hospital. So whether that's using the emergency room or, or being admitted to hospital. Um, and we would anecdotally on a case-by-case basis see uh, a significant decrease in infections and an improvement in health and mental health. And so, so this study was to formalize what, what we see every single day. And so the results were affirming, but not surprising. Based on this study, should we be doing more of what we're doing in London? We believe so, actually. So, you know, the fentanyl crisis, the overdose crisis, um, it needs an entire spectrum of responses. Um, and Safer Supply can really play a role in that. Uh, Safer Supply helps keep people safe who are currently using the fentanyl street supply by providing them with a clean pharmaceutical grade opioid that they can use instead. And so by doing this, people, um, by and large, uh, avoid overdose, uh, their infections are decreased, and, and their health improves. So Safer Supply isn't for absolutely everybody, but for, for a cohort of people who use fentanyl, is showing very uh, positive results. Could we use this study to improve what we do in any way? I think so. I think it also demonstrates uh, what happens when you're listening to the community of drug users because they've been talking about safer supply for the better part of 10 years now. And so I think, you know, there's a concept in in medicine or or in street outreach called meeting people where they're at. And that's what safer supply does. Um, It acknowledges what people know they need. It it helps them obtain that need. And then we can work together on on improved health. And and a key component of, of the Health Center Safer Supply Program is that we have an extensive wrap around team to support people once they've come back into healthcare, and and that's proving to be very beneficial as well. Could this maybe help address any concerns people have had in the past over uh, harm reduction programs? I mean, it's been an ongoing conversation in London, not so much anymore, but other communities I'm sure are going to have the same conversations we've had. Um, I wonder if this might help with that conversation in the future. Well, I hope so. Um, I think there's been significant conversations about harm reduction since it actually emerged in the 80s. And so, you know, back in the 80s, we saw the public and doctors thinking that clean needle exchanges were a bad idea because it was going to, you know, lead to more HIV infections. And then in the 90s, we started talking about safe injection or safe consumption sites. And, you know, the public and doctors thought that was a bad idea, too. Um, And now we have Insight in Vancouver that's been operating for over 20 years and, you know, sites across the country. 
And so safer supply really follows uh, that, that pattern in history where public and, and physicians and, and medical professionals are very skeptical. Um, and then it proves, it proves to save lives, just like drug users said, you know, needle exchanges and safe consumption sites would, would help save their lives. So um, I'm hoping it doesn't take as long to solidify safer supply as it did for those other interventions, but, but we're following a very natural progression here. We are in the midst of a municipal election. What do you hope maybe the next council does in this regard? So in regards to safer supply, um, it's a health intervention. So so council really... um, really wouldn't functionally have have a lot that they can do there other than be you know seek understanding of the program um, and you know reach out for conversations with myself or, or other professionals at the health center what I really want to lean on on the new council for is consideration of housing um, because safer supply and health interventions can can only take people so far if they're still living outside um, so really you know in partnership with the new council I, I would like to do what I do as a doctor and, and I would like to collaborate uh, with city council and do what they do which is help provide housing for all citizens do you think maybe we have a better appreciation of how you know these different uh, programs and efforts all kind of work together because you can you can have one and it can be doing some good work but without you know the other like without putting you know a roof over someone's head making sure they have that safe place to go it can't maybe maximize the benefit you can get from any one program I completely agree. And and we even see that within the Safer Supply Program. As I mentioned, we, we started this in 2016. And, and when we started the program back then, we we had a lot more access to housing. Housing has never been easier, but or sorry, never been easy. Um, but back then we we had more housing stock, rents were, you know, marginally more affordable. And the people in Safer Supply in those first few years, two or three years after 2016, they're doing better because we could house more of them. And then, you know, 2020 came and our housing stock crashed and rent started to skyrocket. And much less uh, people since 2020 in the program have been housed. And so we really see, you know, a differential in, in how people are doing in that first cohort where we could get housing and the second cohort where we could not. So I think that's a perfect example of, of what you were speaking about that that we need to do everything all at the same time i'm curious about you know the the longer you have a program in a certain area maybe the benefits of that i mean vancouver certainly is ahead of us so we're kind of in our area uh this study kind of showed the immediate impacts you know five six years on does it kind of multiply well, we're really hoping so as well. So people do, you know, we see immediate improvements in health, um, which we've mentioned here in, in this interview. But we also see, you know, every six months, every year, every two years, people just get their feet more solidly underneath them and, and everything uh, tends to go in a positive direction. And and I'll put a little, you know, uh, challenge in there for London. But um, I think Vancouver, Vancouver does really great work and they've been a leader for a number of years. But Ontario is actually the leader in safer supply um, and a leader in this type of programming. So we're pretty, we're pretty proud that that safer supply emerged here. We will follow with interest. Uh, Dr. Serrata, certainly appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Dr. Andrea Serrata, family physician at London Intercommunity Health Centre and a founder of the Safer Opioid Supply Program.
Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.